Empire. Blockchain is helping teams connect to their fans. What we wanted to do is take those existing Bluentix accounts, as well as all new Bluentix accounts, and move them over to this passport concept. And when we talk about passport, it's this universal ID. That's Sandy Noun, founder of Credenza, a platform using blockchain to help teams engage with their fans in modern ways. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. We're going to hear from both sides of a partnership today with Sandy Noun and Matt Gardner, who's the Vice President of Innovation and Digital Strategy with the NHL's St. Louis Blues. It'll dive into how teams are trying to find new ways to modernize their approach to connectivity with fans. Our guest this week is Sandy Count. He is the founder of Credenza, which is a company that is working with teams through Web3 technology that's integrating into current operations that will help direct-to-fan relationships and create new revenue opportunities. Let's talk about the blockchain and Web3 in modern sports. Hi, Sandy. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? All right. Tell me a little bit about, that was word salad. Tell me a little bit about Credenza. What do you guys do? Sure. Uh, it's worth noting, this is my second blockchain company. My first blockchain company was a company called Upgraded, which was event tickets that are on the blockchain. The idea behind it was a lot of people talk about NFT ticketing. We had a little bit of a broader remit around the idea of putting tickets on the blockchain, having things around entitlements and rule sets. After I left uh, Upgraded, Upgraded was acquired by, Creden- uh, excuse me, by Ticketmaster. I spent two years there. And then I felt that the blockchain had a broader applicability than just tickets. I thought about ticketing, sponsorships, concessions, merchandise, content rights. I felt like the blockchain as this amazing sort of extension of the next generation of digital rights management, the next generation of identity could really transform the way um, sports did business. And so Credenza is about bringing a lot of those um, use cases, the traditional use cases, the way Sports teams have been making money for the last hundred years, maybe even for the last thousand years, and bring them to the blockchain, make things easier, faster, simpler, more straightforward, and reduce the number of middlemen that are involved between a team, a league, and an athlete, and that fan who worships that team, league, and athlete. Okay, so let's talk about some of those different applications. Ticketing, let's start there. Um, How do you guys view modern ticketing? You know, I think a a lot of... um, We've got some great ticketers that are out there that are, are much maligned. Ticketing is not an easy thing to do. And I can say that as someone who was in the business for about seven years, I think there's two aspects the way people look about ticketing. Um, there's one that says, Hey, wouldn't it be great if you could put the tickets out there and everybody could see the resale value? Yeah, that's not really what sports teams care about with ticketing. What they care about is that the ticketing is part of the identification of the user that actually shows up to the game and the ability to deliver a richer experience to the ticket goer, to the, to the game goer slash ticket holder around everything from extending that experience beyond what they're doing when they're at the venue and also extending the value of that ticket even after they leave the venue. That's what we're thinking about. When you use the blockchain, the blockchain has the ability to go across modalities. When I say that, I mean, a physical uh, entity or physical experience and a digital experience and even a virtual experience, as you know, 
Apple and the people who like to wear their Oculus Rift glasses, the virtual experience, the idea of creating a singularity across all those different modalities, that's really exciting. So buy a ticket to tonight's Knicks game, and I know we're out of basketball season in the Knicks because I originally am from the New York area. Um, but so all of a sudden when you're on the website for the Knicks, you actually get a different experience because you're planning to go to the game. When you're at the game, we know more information about you and we can enhance the experience. And then when you go home, you can watch the press conference in a virtual room because yeah. basically using the Oculus Rift glasses, all because you have that ticket and that ticket transcends across domains, across devices, across worlds. That singularity of experience with a ticket creates more value, which creates more reason for people to buy a ticket, more reason for people to go to the game, more reason for people to engage with the team and with the athletes and with the league. Okay. Um, merchandise seems easy considering what you're talking about, but how are you viewing merchandising for teams and leagues through this type of technology? Well, there's two aspects of it. There's the actual um, purchase and how the impact of the pricing of the purchasing is going to be again a person who has a ticket may get a discount on the merchandise or may get some unique merchandise that they otherwise wouldn't get if they didn't attend a venue. And then the second half say the merchandise itself can come with what amounts to a deed or a benefit associated with it. Let's just use um, an example. There's a lot of sneaker heads out there. They love their sneakers and they buy their 1994 Air Jordans because that was a special year for it. Well, there should be some additional benefit beyond simply just the ownership of the shoes that could be really interesting in a digital context. The idea of having the identity, having the deed, and having the deed associated with my account. And then when I attend a game that's sponsored by Nike or sponsored by one of the sneakerhead sort of entities that are out there, the ability that my identity is associated with the deed that's associated with the sneaker gives me an additional benefit. Now the merchandise sale isn't just about the ownership of that piece of item, but it is some privilege that goes along with it. This idea of creating, again, I go back to this concept of the singularity between the physical and the digital, that changes because the blockchain, which associates with this universal identity, can extend a lot of benefit that doesn't, that is uh, beyond the traditional idea of like, great, you bought something, it hangs on your wall, or it sits in your closet, and that's about that. We're trying to extend the entitlement to the value, yeah. and therefore the business model of how revenue might be generated. There's nothing wrong with hanging it on my wall, though, right? Because I, I still like uh, doing that. Do. Absolutely. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I got plenty on mine, definitely. Uh, you've mentioned content um, where, say, having this passport allows you the opportunity to get into a digital room and maybe watch the coach or the players do press conferences or interviews or whatever special content I suppose a team could put together. Could you expand on that? What What do you mean by that using this for content? Absolutely. And, you know, if you think about the way content's evolved over time, um, when I was growing up and, you know, I'm in my early 50s, so that dates me a little bit, but, you know, it used to be the NBC game of the week. And I did grow up, even though I'm a Baltimore Eagles fan, I grew up in the New York, New Jersey area. We had Channel 11, you just had Yankee games. And now we've extended to this world where even though I live in California, I watch 150 Orioles games a year because I have MLB TV and I have streaming. The nature of content is changed in both the amount that uh, is, is actually um, transmitted as well as our consumption rights, as well as the way we pay for it. I pay $130 a year for MLB TV. I think the idea of having these flexible content models where there's additional types of content that are sold and people pay more for them the same way that the Pac-12 and the SEC and the Big Ten have their subscriptions 
and then teams will have their own subscriptions, creating a blockchain as a mechanism to determine how those rights are conferred in flexible, meaningful ways suddenly says, hey, you know what? I have a Big Ten uh, deal, so I'm going to get this, but I also have a college football package, so I'm going to get that. The blockchain is sort of this next generation of what a lot of people have known as digital rights management. And so the idea of extending that out, not only to subscriptions, but because the blockchain is great at what's called microtransactions, credit cards, no one likes to pay for something for a dollar on credit cards. The credit cards don't pay for it. People don't like to pull out their number. The blockchain does very well with small transactions, with microtransactions. So the idea of paying a dollar for a highlight of a game or for instant access right after the game into the locker room, there's infinite types of content and the ability to create new business models around that content completely changes the revenue system. And in a world where we're consuming lots of content, I think that's the next evolution of how people are paying for content, where things are going. I look at YouTube, I look at Amazon, I look at Apple TV, they're all making investments in sports and they're all thinking from a technological standpoint. If you watch any one of their broadcasts, well, YouTube is still coming up, but the idea that we can create flexible business models that go beyond simple advertising that have been the traditional models, the blockchain can allow for that because you have this idea of identity and then you have cryptocurrency not as a speculative, I'm going to make money on blockchain, but more as this is an easier, faster, more straightforward way to and get the benefit from the payment versus a Visa versus a Venmo or a Cash App. Okay, let, let me take two parts of that. One, yeah. um, the traditional rights are still very expensive to purchase and the leagues are very protective of those rights for those rights holders because of the amount of money they are spending to air these games. So how do you kind of think through this new way of disseminated content without infringing upon the large contractual rights that the leagues and the teams Absolutely. have. And the hope is, and I think there's a couple of aspects that one is to say, it's not so much about repurposing the existing content as, as much as extending new content. So I'll give you some examples. When I look at ESPN, I look at what they did the last couple of seasons with the Manning brothers simulcast, where you already have a Monday night football game, but you basically have two of the most entertaining former quarter, Super Bowl winning quarterbacks you're ever going to find who happen to be brothers. And they create another layer of content on top of the existing content. By being able to find new ways to monetize that content, I would look at AWS and talk about StatCast and the way they create additional value beyond the simple Thursday night football game where a lot of some of the biggest fans are going to want to have access to that content. As you get richer and richer content, you're also going to have people that pay more and more for that content. The same way that a Netflix as an original subscription, when I got a 4K TV, they said, hey, you know, if you pay a few, few dollars more, we'll give this stream to you in 4K. Well, yeah, I want to take advantage of my TV and I want to see, you know, whatever my favorite Netflix show is and better, you know, I want to see Black Mirror in even richer sort of depth. I think sports fans crave that sort of thing. They want to have that next level of layer of content because it no longer is about the three hours of the game. Yeah. It's about the pregame, about the postgame, yeah. about training camp, about the OTAs. You know, how do you give me more access? You know, there's there's this insatiable thirst for sport. That's yeah. why we love sport. Yeah. You know, how do you tap into that passion? Yeah. I, the examples you are using, not to push back too hard, but the examples you're using, like the Manning brothers, one, they're stars and they would be paid an exorbitant amount of money to do this program. 
And oh, by the way, ESPN has Monday Night Football, which means you can watch the game with them. Like, so what you are talking about is an extraordinary endeavor. If you use that as an example, I hear you on some of the other things. Yes. Right. The the Manning brothers and, you know, and and again, you're right. The Manning brothers are um, an extent. I would also say that there are certain people in the community that, when you, when you work your way down the long tail, if you will, right? So the Manning brothers are about a Thursday night football. But what does it mean? I am a fan of the Baltimore Orioles, of the Tennessee Titans, of, of the non-traditional teams, the non-big market teams. There are certain people that I follow for the Titans that, believe it or not, I'd rather see than the Manning brothers because they understand the quarterback battle between Ryan Tannehill and Will Levis, Will Levis better than I do. And I'm excited about that even more than I'm excited about, you know, the random game between the Cowboys and, and the Commanders. And so the idea of thinking about where that long tail plays, and I always think about Bleacher Report. I used to work for Turner Broadcasting. Bleacher Report did a great job where basically they said, if, you know, if we work our way down the long tail, there's a demand for a lot of those second tier and third tier when it comes to major market sort of content. Can we do the same thing for Manning Brothers, but can we create that additional piece associated with it? That's just an example of it. And because sports is so vast, what happens with the Manning brothers at a high level can happen with a lot of other mid-tier sports, mid-tier teams, sort of from market perspectives. That's what we're looking to enable. And because it's simple enough to do, it's going to create for a lot of innovation going forward in the way these extra types of content are created. Okay. Um, you, uh, we got connected because you have a partnership with the St. Louis Blues. Can you tell me yeah. a little bit about that specific partnership? Yeah, you know, we're, we're very excited to work with the Blues. The Blues sort of see the same vision that we do, and it starts with this idea of a universal identifier. And with they, what they already do, they've done a great job engaging their communities with a, um, an effort that they call Blunatics. And Blunatics are their top customers. They participate in community activities, and they have this association. They already have a Blunatics account. What we wanted to do is take those existing Blunatics accounts, as well as all new Blunatics accounts, and move them over to this passport concept. And when we talk about passport as this universal ID, I mentioned this earlier and I, I will use this phrase quite a bit, but we go across domains, across devices and cross worlds. So the idea that you can do certain things on Blunatix and then that can get you discounts at the enterprise center when you go to the game, when you're on uh, any one of the other sites like STL Authentics, which is their merchandising provider, what we can do is with every, um, whenever I talk about universal ID, there's a couple of important things to think about. One is to say, hey, I'm Sandy Cound, uh, you know, the blues fan over here, and I'm also Sandy Cound, the blues fan when I show up at the venue. One thing to say that I'm Sandy Cound, but almost more important than that is to accumulate all the, what we like to call the um, assets, actions, and attributes of a user. So let's start with uh, assets. Assets think about with the blockchain. Hey, I have so much cryptocurrency or I have certain NFTs or I have certain game tokens. That's interesting. And that's what most people talk about with the blockchain. What we're more excited about is the attributes and the actions. The attribute says, I am a 10-year season ticket holder or I'm coming here for the first game, right? Like things that define who I am. I'm from the St. Louis area. Attributes that can impact the way the transaction happens. Because if you're the blues, you see someone who's a 10-year season ticket holder you're thinking, hey, we want to take care of this person. This is an important customer and they're dedicated, excuse me, an important fan and a dedicated fan. We want to treat them with a certain respect. The other thing is to start accumulating the actions. The actions are, are not, I mean, the easiest person to think about actions is uh, if you've ever been to a sandwich shop, they probably have the five, the punch card. 
buy five, get one free. How do you do that dynamically and digitally in real time, but also do it across all the different ways that you interact with the team? I'm a Bloonetics fan, so I'm on the Bloonetics site and I'm answering trivia questions or I'm registering to win. And then I go to SCL Authentics and I buy a Sammy Blaze jersey. And then this is my fifth time at the game this year. The ability to scan that universal code and say, you're Sandy Count, but more important than being Sandy Count, you're a 10-year season ticket holder who bought a jersey this year that participates in the community, and this is your sixth time to the to the arena. We're going to do something special for you. We're going to take care of you because you're a true fan. You're sticking it through. We've had a tough year this year. We're optimistic about next year, and in the meantime, we appreciate you still coming out because the team still needs you. That ability to create that holistic view of the fan in real time, whether they're at the venue or on the community, that's something that we're doing that's going to transform the way uh, the Blues actually engage with their fans. Sandy Count is the founder of Credenza. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Let's talk a little bit more about the partnership with Credenza with the Vice President of Innovation and Digital Strategy with the St. Louis Blues, Matt Gardner. Hey, Matt, how are you? Hi, good morning. All right, tell me a little bit from the point of view of the team, why this partnership works for you. Yeah, so we we started having conversations with Credenza almost a year ago. Um, Obviously, the opportunities when you start talking about blockchain can be very broad. Um, so we wanted to narrow down on areas that could really focus on helping our business. Uh, one area that we thought would be the best way for us to get introduced to this space and, and bring it to our fans was starting to tie together a lot of our business systems via blockchain so that we're making our, our data a lot more actionable. We've had a fan engagement platform for the last few years called Blunatics, where we have over 128,000 registered users. Uh, and we've been able to engage those users, collect a ton of data. Um, now we want to incentivize our fans for their actions. And so really what we're going to do is we're going to use blockchain to tie together our business systems so that when somebody makes a retail purchase or somebody's in the building for a game and they buy concessions, now we can track that information and, and know that if you're a fan and you come to a game and you always buy a popcorn now we can deliver that next popcorn to you for free based on your purchase habits and behaviors. Okay. All right. So you're learning more about your fans. Um, and, and this may be jumping ahead a little bit, but can you give us some early returns about what you're learning about St. Louis Blues fans that maybe you didn't know previously? Yeah. You know, and I think that's part of what this project is, is going to do for us. You know, we, on the sports team side, we have a lot of third-party systems that we use. And and one issue that happens across sports is those systems don't talk to one another. So somebody comes into our building, for instance, we have ticketing data. We, we know when they've scanned in their ticket to enter Enterprise Center to come to a Blues game. But then separately, we're, you know, have, we have those purchases that they're making at concessions when they buy a beer and a hot dog and a popcorn. Um, and then also not connected is their retail purchases. When they come in, they're buying merch. Now what we want to do is we want to kind of pull all of those feeds together via blockchain. So where we're ultimately creating like a universal blues ID um, where we can start rewarding fans based on those habits and the things that they they commonly do or, or just their investment in blues hockey. Uh, you know, for instance, somebody comes and 
whether they're shopping online or they're coming to Enterprise Center and they're, they're buying merchandise, after a certain level of spend, let's let's give them a reward. Let's pass back an offer to them as a, a way of saying thank you. We appreciate uh, you being a fan. We've had a number of guests that talk about these type of ideas as a digital passport into their world. Is that kind of akin to what you're thinking here about blues fans? Yeah, you know, I, I think our our thought process with this is that uh, there's a long road ahead, and we're, we're we're only getting started. But the more we can know and understand our fans, the better we're going to be able to deliver the right experience for them. You know, whether they are a season ticket holder and they're coming to thirty to forty home games a year, they're a you know a single game buyer. They you know maybe come five to eight. Uh, they're a, they're a family that you know can't afford to come to every game. They may bring their family to a couple games a year, um, or they're like an out of market fan who's who's simply just watching on TV and following along in social media. The more we can leverage that data to better understand fan by fan how they interact with our franchise, the better we can personalize experience that is right for them. You know it's we've kind of made this transition and approach from a marketing standpoint where it used to be a one size fits all, you know, you, you had a, um, a student night to promote a family night. You, you just blasted your audience. You blasted it across social media, blasted to your email database. Now we, we've spent so much time in the last few years of collecting all of this data. We know enough about our fans to deliver the right messaging the right talking points to them to make it more effective to how they are a fan of the team. Yeah, it's it's interesting because we've talked a lot about this with a lot of different guests in modern marketing with all this new technology, that there's the ability to personalize differently than you've had in the past because you have this information. At the same time, you are bringing in 15, 20,000 people every game and they all have different interests. So I guess you're probably toggling between what are, what is the right message now that we know all this new information about our fans? That's right. And I, I think that's, what's really exciting about this process. You know, in, in the past, connecting all of these systems together can be tremendously expensive. You know, you, you might be looking at hiring developers and, and engineers and, third parties to piece all of it together. And then by the way, the, the moment that you change up your, your tech stack in, in some degree or another by changing a ticketing system or a concessions POS or something, you're, you're back to square one to a certain degree, kind of rebuilding this. By leveraging blockchain, we're creating something that can be universally used, not only in our building, but our future roadmap with this is to take it outside of our building, go to our corporate partners, to their brick and mortar locations and have ways for fans to earn rewards um, and incentives by visiting our partners, by visiting small businesses in the St. Louis region. So this hopefully for us will become much more than just uh, an initiative inside Enterprise Center. We want this really to be able to reach out and in doing so in a way with a system that can connect to many different facets of uh, life outside of our premise. So um, you talked about the rewards program. Um, do you envision with all this technology, there is a form of blues currency or are you kind of not ready to make that leap yet? You know, it's, I, I think there's a lot of that that's to be determined, you know, how we kind of present this. For me, rewards programs always have to feel like you're going to get something out of it. 
You know, I, I stopped at Starbucks on my drive in this morning because I realized after so many purchases, I'm going to earn enough stars to get a reward. I stay at the same, you know, chain of hotels all the time because I can earn those points that I can then redeem for free nights. There's there's always been ways, I think, in sports for teams to leverage points-based rewards programs, but oftentimes you have so many people do it and so few rewards that uh, fans get frustrated. You know, they're, they're earning all these points. They're doing all these actions you're telling them to do, yeah. um, but they're not getting those prizes that have high perceived value. They're looking at how can I get a VIP experience at a game? How can I get a signed jersey? We have limited of those types of products and what we're hoping to see through blockchain and understand those fan habits is to, to be able to develop something in the future that is rewards based, that carries the value that fans know that their actions will lead to something, not just this premise of it may eventually turn into something. Okay. Last thing um, you have been with the blues for more than a decade, which is a long time and a short period of time, all, all kind of wrapped up in one. And a lot has changed probably since you first got there and all of these type of first technologies didn't even exist. Um, as you've kind of watched this through your tenure, through the viewpoint of a team, what do you make of what's happening? And, and can you kind of project out a little bit of what you see coming to teams in the next three to five years? Yeah, you know, it's it's wild. I, I mean, I'll, I'll take you back even further. I've, I've been um, working kind of on this uh, the digital uh, side of the business for, for over 20 years now. My first role was in professional tennis um, where uh, the eight, I was working for the ATP at the time and they took their website in-house. Previous, before it came in-house, they were using a German company that was updating their website one time a week, <laughs> I mean, if you can imagine. And, and over the course of a couple of years, bring it, bringing it you know in-house, they went from being updated once a week to doing point by point scoring coming from the chair umpire. I just, uh, that's just kind of the incredible ways that things continue to advance. And yeah, what you just said, I mean, I started with the blues in, in 2012, the time we were updating a website, you know, we, we had Facebook, we had Twitter. Um, we had a, a very um, loose email strategy. Now there's so many different dynamics that we have to be thinking about. Um, the advancements in technology are rapidly changing the game uh, every single day as we think about um, a lot of different facets of, of what's out there from, you know, blockchain. And, you know, there's you've seen the last few years where blockchain has really been tied more to cryptocurrency. It's been tied to NFTs. We're kind of shifting into a different direction. I think will work better for us as a starting point. But you talk about uh, AR and VR and uh, sports betting and esports and Obviously, um, you know, AI has become a really big thing that's been in the conversation right now. There's there's a ton to keep us busy and occupied. And for me and my role, it's really looking at what are we ready for and what can we best utilize today that's going to make the biggest difference in our approach and to our business. Whereas some things are, are great. It's nice to see the shiny new products, but you have to make sure that your organization uh, and your fan base is ready and ready for those technologies. Um, and you can take full advantage of it so that you're, you're coming into this with the right approach. Matt Gardner is the vice president of innovation and digital strategy with the St. Louis blues. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. On the next future sport podcast, sports tech is getting something akin to a South by Southwest. Uh, keynote speakers and panels on a lot of the topics that we just discussed and more. 
uh, networking opportunities, curated one-on-ones based on kind of forms that you fill out of the preferences, uh, you know, things you're wanting to see, startup pitches, product demos, and on and on. Uh, then also a true fan festival with live music and beer and golf simulators and yard games and opportunities really for uh, the fans and fanatics of sports to come and be both a spectator and a competitor. That's Lawson Gal and Chris Buckner, founders of Pocketalk, a sports tech expo coming to Houston. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.